in our circle we make very deliberate use of all of the modes of attention that are receptive in character. Uh, you, this distinction is, uh, is held in the difference between the following two statements. He's listening to me and he's looking at me. I'm sure you would have a different, uh, almost visceral response to either of those two statements. If you said somebody was looking at you, you would feel somewhat threatened, as if that person is penetrating your being. Whereas if they're listening to you, it is almost the opposite happening. They're allowing you into them. And so human attention has these two modalities. They're very different in the, how they operate. Uh, predatory modality, which is consistent with he's looking at me, and a receptive modality, which is he's listening to me. Um, it is our contention on this path that we completely overuse our predatory sense, and as a result, we behave like predators in the world, and the outcome of that is that we are constantly embroiled in conflict-ridden relationships and disputes and contention. So, what I'd like to do this evening is I'd like to um, experiment, we'll do a little bit of practice and then I'll talk a little bit more, we'll do a little bit more practice and so I, I'm not really that interested in giving you some more ideas because <coughs> you're all intimidatingly intelligent people, um, but what I'd rather like to do is I'd like to open the possibility of an experience because I'm convinced that on the other side of that experience is a curiosity which leads you directly into the throne room of the divine. We don't realize just how proximate Arab is. And we have a look at how we bring our children up and you have a sense of this eight-year-old standing there making dua it is like he's calling on the being on the other side of the stars. Nobody went up to this eight-year-old and said, he's closer to you in your jugular vein. He is proximate. He's more proximate than proximate. But in order to understand that proximity, we need to develop a difference. And not even understand, actually experience. The proximity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not a is not something to be understood. It's something that you have first-hand access to, something to be experienced. So what I'd like you to do this time, before we go into it, let's just explore a little bit of how, how receptive attention works. It is only human eyesight and specifically focus in eyesight, which is predatory in character. Our peripheral vision is receptive in character. And why do we say that? We're a lion's eyes are in the front of its head, because it's a predator like ours. It gives him depth perception. He knows what he's going to. Uh, a deer or any prey animal's eyes are on the side of its head, which means its vision isn't designed to look at what it wants to go and get, but it's concerned with what's coming towards it. So even our eyesight isn't exclusively predatory. Our peripheral vision is not predatory. All our other senses are designed to be receptive, not just hearing. So it's not just he's listening to me, but also taste, feeling, 
kinesthetics, feeling, smell. Um, what am I missing? Hearing, taste, smell, and feel the other four. In fact, there's some languages in the world that have a single word for all four of their senses. In Zulu, the word is Ugozwa. Ugozwa means to, to sense. And you can use the same thing for, I mean, say I am, Miazwa, would be the, uh, uh, the present tense. Miazwa, I smell. Miazwa, I taste. Miazwa, I hear. Yeah, as well, I feel. The same word, exactly the same phrase. So I want you to ugozwa. I want you to use that receptive capacity. Now, not just on the dhikr that we're doing, but understand it is also about feeling something. So be very deliberate to hear the voice on either side of you, Meet that voice with a volume that that voice is making. So we were a bit muted before, but it's because you're probably self-conscious. But nobody's going to laugh at you, I promise. If they laugh at you, you'll become mean with them. <laughs> so nobody's going to laugh at you. Just meet the voice on either side of you, same pitch. But what I'd like you to introduce now is also the feeling in your chest. The vibration as you're making the sound. Rest your attention on the feeling in your chest. Oh, one last thing. You put your whole breath into it. All right. So however long your breath is. Some of us, uh, if you're a smoker, you probably have a short breath. And then, uh, and because the effect you're trying to create is a single sound. Single sound. So, so if I, you know, we're not breathing all at the same time. So there's a matrix of sound. Also, soften your eyes. You probably won't get molested, so I think you can close your eyes. Because you want to use your other, other senses. You want to really listen intensely, make the sound, and feel. Feel your chest.
notice the sound of the air conditioner. <clears throat> notice the feeling of your hands, however they're resting right now on your thighs or your knees or folded in each other. Just notice your hands. And notice the feeling of your hands coming from your hands. <coughs> I'd hazard to guess that you're feeling a little bit quieter than what you did when we came into the room. That you're feeling a little bit more at peace. And some of the words of that sense of quiet, some of the synonyms that could describe that sense of quiet is a spaciousness. Um, maybe even a relaxedness. And that spaciousness is definitely a spaciousness which is sort of at the back of your being. Just allow your attention to feel a little bit the back of your being, the back your attention comes out of, and have that sense of spaciousness. attention gathers to two principal points. Human attention gathers to two principal points. And what we mean by this <coughs> point that attention gathers to, we actually refer to it as the assemblage point. And that is a technical term that refers to the place in your body your perception assembles to. So it's almost as if everything that you perceive in the moment that you're in comes into your body sort of in a funnel effect. If you just think about it visually, it funnels to your eyes. So it gets assembled to you, to where you perceive from. There's two principal places that you can perceive from. The one is that you can perceive from your head. When you are perceiving from your head, your attention is fundamentally predatory in character. I beg your pardon, I think that's mine. When your attention is operating in a receptive way, you're operating from your chest. You must have had this experience that even if you, some people's eye contact is offensive. As some people's eye contact is predatory in character. It's like a lion's looking at you. You want to go and hide. Another person can maintain eye contact with you, but their eyes are gentle. Their eyes have an inviting feeling. And it's because that person is operating in a different place in their own body. A person with predatory eyes is operating out of their head. A person who's got gentle eyes is allowing you to come to them. They're operating from your chest or their chest. <clears throat> so this receptive attention has a different assemblage point. 
the assemblage point is in your chest. And the way to experience that place is to simultaneously give, put attention on both your arms and legs at the same time. So we'll do this incrementally, we'll make it increasingly more and more complex. Close your eyes for a minute and just feel any stimulus coming from your right leg. Whatever it's doing, if it's lying on the floor or if it's your foot's on the ground, feel any experience coming from your right leg. Now introduce the experience coming from your left leg so that you are now simultaneously feeling both of your legs. Introduce the feeling coming from your right arm. So you're feeling both your legs and your right arm. Finally introduce the experience coming from your left arm so you are now experiencing all four your limbs at the same time. So touch the feeling coming from all four your limbs at the same time. And you notice that while you're doing that, it's impossible to do that from your head. You'll slip further down. You're operating from somewhere behind your solar plexus. That place that you're operating from now is the assemblage point of receptive attention. When people inhabit that place, they join the realm of the miraculous. They live a life which is easy. They live a life where things come to them. They live a life which is miraculous in character. When people operate from their heads, when they operate with predatory attention, they they create an experience of exhaustion in their day-to-day -day life. They get consumed by their lives. He said that there's one way of conducting your practice and your faith, which is like that eight-year-old making dua, calling on the one on the other side of the clouds, and nobody told him, the one you're calling on, is closer to you than your jugular vein. He's immensely proximate. He's not at all removed. You experience that proximity when you get a little bit quiet, you allow your attention to slip from your head, to operate from your chest. You, you, you just get a sense of this spaciousness that sits behind your being, that your being that your attention operates from. That spaciousness is the proximity of the Ram. And he said, you make plans and I make plans of himself. And he said he's the best of plans. So why is this significant? When we operate with a predatory attention, our own plans are at issue. We're trying to produce outcomes in the world. But because we're behaving like predators, the things that we desire are like deers when lions are in the field. They flee. What do you expect? They run away. When you shift your attention to operating 
behind your chest. When you, you start operating your attention from a receptive point of view, you become immensely attractive. Things come to you. You'll discover that what is in store for you is better than what you have in store for yourself. And that is the truth. So all of, the, all of the practices that we do on this path are really concerned with the cultivation of receptive attention. Everything that we, we all, all the practices that we normally do uh, under the auspices of Deen, the fasting, the Salah, uh, the Zakah, it is all done in the spirit of using it as a flying carpet to go back to be reintroduced to the presence of the Lord. About reconnecting with the spaciousness on the inside. The um, the misfortune of the spaciousness is that it doesn't contend. Precisely, it doesn't try and occupy space. Receptive attention makes space. And so if you have any take on your dean, which is really concerned with an absolutely explicit articulation of identity, the magic of this thing and the matter that I'm referring to is close to you. It's very important for you to be self-consciously Muslim, to have an identity as a Muslim. I'm not suggesting you shouldn't have an identity, but if your deen becomes a way in which you brandish your being into the world, then the matter that I'm referring to, you will not have access to. This path is about people, is for people who are truly Muslim. And as you know, the word means submission. Surely that's the opposite of contending, being contentious. We don't realize it. We skate. On the, on the surface of the miraculous. It is, it is as, as proximate to you as the air that you breathe. But because we've got so, we've got so focused in our day-to-day -day pursuit of the things that we want, our idea of being correct, our idea of the, the identities we're trying to maintain, we are like blind men walking through a crystal garden and wherever our feet fall we cause damage because we just are completely unaware. <coughs> this sense the spaciousness, this presence that sits behind your being is your eternal companion. 
its character is sucker, is embrace, is nurture. It's ecstatic. It's joy. When you die, the the shutter comes down on your perception, so you lose your contact with the outward world, which basically means your predatory sense completely is disabled, and the only thing that you have then is what you get thrown back on. And the tragedy is that if you haven't made friends with that truth, you would experience it as horror. If you've made built so much of your sense of significance and of the project of your life being in the outward, in the world over there, and then this final event happens that casts you irrevocably into the inward, then you would have a fundamental sense of catastrophic failure and loss to your life. How else could it be? So to pursue this path, is to pursue success both in this world and in the hereafter. It is success in this world because you cannot describe a human being who turns the world that is in into his enemy as successful. It is only that human being who's created the rest of the world that he faces as his benefactor and his ally, that person is successful. You also cannot describe a person who gets cast into eternity in horror as successful. Only the one who's committed some time of their lives to actually befriending that proximity which is here, that life is successful, into perpetuity. May Allah grant you all success with your various endeavors. May grant you all speedy journey. May grant you all speedy resolution. May grant you all um, good health. May bless um, uh, Amr Sahib and his family um, for their wonderful generosity. Bless, bless this in, uh, extraordinary city and all of the wonderful souls that have been so generous to me over the years that I've been coming here. In Allah, Thank you very much. What we uh, thought would be useful uh, would be for some of you that uh, might have uh, very specific questions or guidance that you might be seeking um, to offer that as a as a brief question to the sheikh for him to respond to. We're all here to seek his uh, insight and wisdom.
and so I'm happy to uh, circulate these uh, mics around. Just um, you know, keep your questions uh, as as brief as uh, as necessary. And then, Sheikh, mm -hmm. um, let us know if you um, want us at any point in time to then stop or wrap start to wrap it up, because otherwise it could go on for for a while. Maybe we'll just pass this on. But uh, while uh, while others gather their thoughts, Sheikh, it would be very helpful. Um, for people to recognize that uh, these kinds of dars, um, you make them available through uh, uh, through SoundCloud, and mm. so for those that have been listening to those dars, this format is very very uh, familiar of what mm. we've just done. But um, these dars have different themes, and you you sort of approach them very thematically. And one of them that I found very um, fascinating is the last one that you put up which is regarding inward gatheredness and I, I think you spent a lot of time talking about that um, but um, if you could perhaps shed some um, light upon uh, what it is that prevents most of us in our daily lives from experiencing the presence of the divine um, not just in terms of the mode that we're in predatory or receptive but also what is it that we can do better um, in terms of finding times for ourselves and you know, all those things that might actually help help you on a daily basis sort of realign uh, to that presence of the divine? Thank you. Um, <clears throat> so if you want something from somebody else, that person's ability to withhold what you want gives them power over you. Does that make sense? And one way of escaping the power that the other has over you is to disavow what you want from them. And you slip out from under there, literally being manipulable. Right? The etymology of the word manipulation is manus, which means hand in Latin. So you, they lose their handhold, literally, they lose their handhold. If I want something from you, my being gets outwardly gathered. Because the outward, you have power over me. And the problem with that experience is that I get pinned right up against this window of perception and the spaciousness that sits behind here, just I lose contact with. And so Sheikh Ali al-Jamal said, if you're outwardly gathered, you're inwardly separate. When I disavow my desire for what you can withhold, I slip out from your grasp. I slip out from underneath your ability to manipulate me. And that means literally you other lose your grip all over me. And I can pull further and further back. Is that mine? No. I can pull further and further back. I become inwardly gathered. And Sheikh Ali al-Jamal said, which is the corollary to the previous rule, if you're inwardly gathered, you're outwardly separate. If you're outwardly gathered, you're inwardly separate. If you're inwardly gathered, you're outwardly separate. When you're outwardly gathered, not only does other have power over you, but you, you live the life of a victim. Because you live a life completely at the behest of others. 
you also live a life of constriction because they've got control over you, you're like a slave. When you're inwardly gathered, not only do they lose their control over you, but you live a life of expansion. And I don't mean expansion materially, I mean an expansion of just unassailability. That's spaciousness. The, there was a second part to your question, which is how can we maintain this inward gathering? Well, you know, we have some fantastic technology as Muslims. The first is the Salah. Um, the Salah is an incredibly profound exercise of receptive attention. The, there's two sorts of things that you want from the world. The first is material things and the second is significance from people. These two things work differently. If I want a material object, for instance, if I want your watch, then your ability to withhold the watch gives you power over me. But if at some point you actually give me the watch, you lose your power over me. So there's a limit to the degree to which you can be manipulated if you want things from people. If, however, you want good opinion from other people, this is a bit more of a complex prospect because if I want you to like me, I want something I can never have control over like I can have control over the watch. So I become particularly manipulable on the basis of my desire for significance. My desire for face. And what do you do with your face in sajada? It is the most profound message that you're not just giving to yourself intellectually, because that's not very useful ever. But you're actually doing this on a cellular level. You are foregoing significance. Also, the takbir itself is a statement of surrender. I was literally, I surrender. It's a universally accepted gesture of surrender. When in battle, when people give up, they stick up their hands. You know, I surrender. I forego my agenda. The tragedy about Salah is that people don't realize that the essence of the Salah is in the posture. It's not in how much Arabic you know and how much... I'm not suggesting you shouldn't recite in Arabic, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's not... No. But that's not the essence of the... essence of the Salah is in the posture and is in doing the Salah deliberately. Doing each posture deliberately because you are saying something to your being when you those things. So the very first um, tool to develop receptive attention is your salah. Do your salah. Then you could add all sorts of practices, dhikr practices, meditative practices, um, uh, muraqaba, 
uh, and those are all added um, tools. But if you're um, if you're on, if you're on this path, the path of Tasawuf, um, most shiurch have indicated that this this path isn't opposite to Islam. It's not different from Islam. It's the software of Islam. You know, so um, and and it's a little bit like Apple. I mean, it's like dedicated. You know, I mean, you can't tasawuf on a different base doesn't quite work. So start off by deliberately using your your deen as the method as the, as the method but not in a, obviously in a self-conscious way i'm such a good muslim i mean that's really, that's just horror god protect us from good muslims <laughs> I think your son has a question. Um, I wanted to ask because there's so many religions in the world, like uh, hundreds, we can't count them. How can we be sure that ours is the correct one, as opposed to all of them? You can't. You do the best you can with what you've got and you give yourself the opportunity to change your mind if you understand something better. One of the attributes of predatory attention is that it enjoys judgment. It's its character. The, um, the the register of somebody, the register of the internal kind of dialogue, the thought of somebody with predatory attention is they're walking through the, down the road and they're walking through life constantly with an opinion. I mean, you don't have to have an opinion about everything. You know? That's good, that's bad, that's left, that's right, that's top, that's who's. If you're on this path, you carry your opinions lightly. You don't take yourself that seriously. Which means, even with something as important as your, your religious identity, you, you recognize that uh, um, there might be aspects in what you're doing doesn't entirely kind of make sense to somebody else. As somebody else might convince you of something better, but for now, this is the best that you've got. So you act accordingly. You have a curiosity about life and about the world, because where the, the the register of the internal kind of dialogue of predatory attention is judgment, the register of the internal dialogue of receptive attention is curious. Oh, oh really? You do have a better idea? Well, tell me. Okay. I understand. I can see that relates like this and this and this to what I understand, but actually I'm still going to continue doing what I'm doing because even it's just the habit that I like better. You don't owe it to anybody to contend, to prove them right and to uh, wrong and you right. You don't have to play that game. And you probably get further and learn more if you don't.
Well, could you repeat the question? Could you explain Miraqaba? So, I mean, there's this is one can call it meditation. It's about creating the condition where you. So Sheikh um, Muhammad ibn al-Habib in one of his, one of his songs, one of his qasai, said, I'm wahdi bi dhikri rabbi, fadhikiru rabbi huwa shifa'u. I'm alone with the dhikr of my Lord. The dhikr of my Lord is the cure. Uh, and it's that sense of being quiet and alone. You can call that miracle. And whatever you do that helps to enhance that experience, you should do. And there's thousands of techniques. We just experimented with something here, which unfortunately requires a con congregational experience, but you don't have to have that. I have, uh, have set great store in techniques that are meditative in character. Just getting quiet, resting your attention on your breath, Hearing the name of Allah, the divine name, on your breath without repeating it. That's, I think, one of the most useful ways of doing it. Alhamdulillah.